Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered. your host. I'm excited to share a conversation with you today with our guest Shayla Visser, who's the National Director of Alpha Canada and also is the executive producer for both the Alpha Youth Film Series and the Alpha Film Series. Shayla has a heart for people coming to know Jesus and helping the local church flourish. She's known for her strategic leadership and her ability to bring people together. Shayla is recognized as one of the top 100 most influential Christian women in Canada. Shayla has a passion for identifying and raising up young leaders. Enjoy this episode. Lift off and the clock has started. Shayla, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ron. It's so good to be with you today. Listen, years ago, I, I remember, for those of you that know me, I've been involved with Alpha for a long time. Reaching people with the gospel has always been a passion of mine. Haven't always been very good at it, but it has always been a passion. And Alpha's helped me do that. I remember years ago, you used to be able to get banners, and on those banners, there'd be smiling young faces and the Alpha sign. And and you were one of those faces a long time ago. I remember. It was a long time ago, Ron. Let's not talk about how long ago it was. I hope you have paid very well for that gig. <laughs> I don't think so, but I was happy to do it. Good for you. So clearly Alpha's had an impact on your life. I would love to hear a little bit because I don't really know the story Mm -hmm. of how Alpha kind of maybe changed your trajectory. Yeah, I think it's funny how God weaves in our personal stories and our professional stories together Mm -hmm. to uh, build this beautiful tapestry of our lives that intersect with so many others. But for me, uh, if you know the Alpha values of hospitality, um, the love for evangelization, et cetera, et cetera. I look back to my family of origin. My family's an immigrant family, and uh, we would have people from all over the world come to visit us, but particularly from India. And when people were coming from overseas in the like 80s and 90s, they would come and they would stay for a few weeks. And I'll give you one example of the type of family I, I was raised in that my, one of my dad's closest friends from India was coming with his wife. They're Hindus practicing, they're vegetarian, and they cannot eat out of any pots and pans that have had meat in them. So what did my mom do? She went and bought new pots and pans because she wanted to love them well and provide great hospitality for them and, you know, mark them so that she knew don't ever cook a meat in this so that when they come, they're ready to be hosted well. So my family hosted people from all over the world. Our table was always open for guests. My mom always was ready to put on a great curry. Hmm. And so when I actually um, came to be aware of Alpha in the late 1990s, Hmm. I saw so many of the values actually from the family of origin, a love for people that don't know Jesus, a, a desire to be as hospitable as you can be for the sake of the kingdom, but also just because that's such a wonderful way to be in the world. So all of these values, um, a second thing that happened in my growing up years is my mother, in the summers, we grew up in a rural Anglican church, tiny Anglican parish. And in the summers when there was no Sunday school, my mom would tour us around to different types of churches. We were in Southwestern Ontario 
we would go to a Catholic mass. We would go to a Pentecostal service. My mom would take us across the border into Detroit. We'd go to these big gospel halls where the men were in three-piece suits. The women were wearing, you know, the matching hat, the matching suit. And we just had this phenomenal experience of my mom said, look at Christians all over in all these different expressions. So again, later in life, you can see how this family of origin made a difference because when I came to know about Alpha, I didn't need to learn about unity. My mom had taught us about unity, (laughs) that the whole church can proclaim Jesus. So in some ways, I feel like Alpha and I were a match made in heaven of my family values, things I hold true and dear. I got to live out professionally at Alpha. So Alpha has made a huge impact on my life because it's been a place that I can bring my gifts, talents, and values Mm. to bear uh, on this work of evangelization, both in Canada and around the world. And it has given me so much more than I'll ever be able to give it. But I do feel that I came to a place where I had been shaped ready for this work. Isn't that amazing? That is so cool. You know, in the Maritimes, my mom would often say that you can always put another potato in the pot. Exactly. So if somebody dropped by, it was never an inconvenience. It was like, we can do that. And, and so I know what you mean. And, and that is a beautiful perspective. And that's why I've, sometimes it, it breaks my heart when you see these churches in these areas where hospitality is literally a part of the culture, but it's not part of the church culture. It's like, wow, we could actually unleash this very easily. If yeah. we just brought those two things together. Exactly. I, I've actually come to a realization, particularly during COVID, where so many people in churches have felt like I can't practice hospitality because I can't put on a meal. I can't put on a potluck. I can't have people for coffee in my house. You know, restrictions have prevented that. Yeah. And I've, I've really tried to help people understand that you can still be hospitable, even if you can't practice hospitality. Yes. And what I mean by that is if you are a hospitable person, regardless of where you are, regardless if it's your house or you're in the grocery store or in the bank lineup, or you're on your sidewalk in front of your house or in your driveway, you can be a hospitable person to whomever is within six feet of you. And therefore you do not need to practice hospitality by opening your home for a meal, even though that's amazing and wonderful, you can be hospitable. And I find myself even, I know this sounds funny, in an elevator, even though there can only be two people in an elevator at one time standing on these X's in elevators. (laughs) Um, But even saying, hello, how are you? Like feeling like anyone that comes into my space, I'm going to smile and I'm going to make them feel welcome, regardless of if they're a stranger or friend. And in that case, hospitality should be alive and well through the local church and all these little satellites of the church, which is Mm -hmm. each individual person. Amen. Who gets to practice hospitality. So be hospitable, even if you can't practice hospitality. Well, that's wise words. Years ago, I was whining and complaining to my brother-in-law about how inhospitable our church was. And I'd been on a rant for a few minutes being quite judgmental and self-righteous, which I'm pretty good at. And he looked at me at one point and he says, "Uh, Ron, when you go to church and sit down, do you turn to the people beside you and say, good morning? Mm. And did it like, I wish I, as soon as he said that, I just put my head down because now I knew I had to do it because yeah. I couldn't complain like that. And then continue to expect other people to be hospitable to me when I wasn't taking a lead. And so honest to goodness, I'll never forget that first morning. I was scared. Like I'm going to church that the church that I always go to 
And I'm scared because I know I'm going to have to stop being a hypocrite. Before, I just didn't know I was a hypocrite. Now I knew I was a hypocrite and I didn't want to be. So I was going to have to change. And so I remember sitting down and just very consciously going, okay, here it goes. Turn to the person beside me, say, good morning, I'm Ron. What happened? Big smile, handshake back. Hey, good morning. I'm so-and-so. I did a 360. I didn't know our church was that hospitable. <laughs> I had no idea yeah. they were that friendly. They were just waiting for somebody to take the lead. So your advice on the elevator and wherever else we are, Shayla, like I, I was one of those people that needed to hear that a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, that is such good wisdom because isn't it true that we can throw stones, right? Like we can be very critical, whether it's the church, whether it's the company we work for, whether it's our neighbors, our own family members. And I think we have to realize that sometimes we are a solution to the problem we've identified. We are, we are, we're a solution to that problem. And your brother-in-law really called you out on it. Believe me, I've had the same thing happen to me in different circumstances. And I think we could talk about the problem, but then we have to be part of the solution. Amen. I love that. Yeah. So good. And, and that's, and I find too, God often works in me through frustration. If I pay yeah. attention to that discontent <laughs> or that frustration, to your point, he's usually asking me to be a part of the solution. I'm usually very slow to recognize that. But once I do, good things often happen. Exactly. Exactly. Good for you. So I know that you were called into leadership on a national level with Alpha at one point. How did that transition take place? What was that like for you? Tell us a little bit about that. I got involved with Alpha. My very first time that I went to the UK was 1999. They had something called the Alpha International Week back then. And I went and I, the reason I had gone is that I had started using Alpha in a workplace environment, like in a boardroom in downtown Vancouver. And even though I wasn't the one that initiated it, I was an early adopter. And so I'd been invited to come over there and do a seminar on how do you run Alpha in the workplace? No one had heard about this. And so the team in Vancouver said, Shayla, you go talk about it. <laughs> so I went over there and uh, within a year and a half, I was traveling with Nikki Gumbel and Pippa and Sandy and Annette Miller and the team. And I very quickly got enfolded into that community yeah. of faith through Alpha and got to travel the world speaking about how do you run Alpha in the workplace? Mm. I formally came on board and as employee in 2003 running it. And I'm just so passionate about people taking the message of Jesus to wherever they find themselves. So if that's a workplace there, and we just saw it take off in so many unique places. And then in 2010, I decided to put my name forward to be the national director of Alpha Canada. And so I had had a global role. And I think that really actually helped me to think about innovative ideas for Alpha Canada and how we could grow the organization again to really serve the church across our country. Mm. What were some initiatives that you felt convicted on early on that, that you were able to action that, that bear fruit? Well, I think there's a few. Um, I am not an innovator, so none of them were my ideas. I I'm just can, I can spot a great idea. I'm entrepreneurial like you, right? I can spot a great idea and do everything in my power to bring it to life. And so Early on, there's two things. One is I realized we needed to listen to the church. And I spent a year and a half, my first year and a half, just listening to the church. What do they need and what could we do to serve them? Hmm. And, and out of that came a lot of innovative ideas. But again, I was just listening. And I think one of the core foundation pieces of what I've realized in my leadership journey is the more I listen to the stakeholders, the better I'm going to be able to do, 
to serve them and for the organization to serve them. The second thing was I had a young youth pastor named Jason Ballard show up in my office and request a meeting and came and talked to me about his vision for could we do something with for youth? And he then, we had an initial conversation. He then said, oh, let me bring my friend Ben Woodman and some other youth pastors and we'll talk to you about it. So he started with the single, then he brought, he brought in a team of youth pastors to say why they needed it. And then for the next over a year, I spent time meeting with every youth leader, denominational youth leader, uh, local youth volunteer that I could get my hands on across the country to say, if we did this, would you use it? And what, what do you need? What do you need on the ground? And we found there was a great need. And so in 2013, we launched the Alpha Youth Series. It was such a risky project. I remember Nikki Gumbel saying, yeah, go for it. Because it's Canada, it's fine. Kind of like, it's not a big market. If, if things go bad, we haven't, re- he didn't say this explicitly, but I think he really intended it. It's like, it's okay in Canada to trial this. And if it doesn't go well, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, but it did go well. In Canada, we'd had about a hundred alphas running for teenagers, for youth. And in a six week period in the launch of the first alpha youth film series, it went to over 900 in six weeks. And it sort of blew up. And we couldn't believe it. And then it went to 29 countries, no, 40 countries, 29 languages, the first iteration. I was like, what just happened? Wow. And all of a sudden, Alpha for Youth took off. So I really give Jason credit for bringing that idea and then Ben helping to bring it to life. And of course, they long-term friends and many years employed by Alpha, both internationally and in Canada. But that was really exciting. And now it's 40% of the work we do globally. I just can't believe this little idea that started has grown that much. 40% of the work you do globally? Yeah, that Alpha International does is in the youth space. I had no idea. And we're going to grow it, Ron. We're going to grow it. I have big dreams of seeing it reach (laughs) millions of teens. I really believe Gen Z, who's also known as True Gen, Mm -hmm. um, they're looking for truth. They want to do it in community. They're very creative. I think if we harness that energy and passion in the Christian young people, that we can really raise up a generation of Christian influencers that are, you know, they're politicians, they're judges, they're priests, they're um, businessmen and women, they are doctors and nurses, but they are doing it for the glory of Christ. And around the world, they're, they're quickly, you know, becoming the largest generation because there's so many of them. They're actually the average age in Africa, parts of Asia is that whole group of Gen Z. And so I really have a vision for God, please use us. Um, We will be faithful with what you put in our hands to reach the next generation. Wow. Oh, that gets me so excited. We're running, I was just saying before the show, we're running five different alphas right now online at our small parish. We're only a parish of 600. And I know for some traditions or denominations, that's, wow, it's a big church, but not for it's us. It's a good <laughs> size. Yes, I know. In the Catholic church, maybe it's it's kind of small, but for most churches, it's quite big. Fair enough. And one of the ones that we're running is is um, being run by my son, who's 22, and his good buddy, Mark, who's 23 or 24. And and, uh, and what I find, it's interesting, and it's, I find it's a difference between my generation and his generation is some people in my generation, they're the ones that have walked away from the church and and, and don't they remember what they walked away from, mm-hmm. but they're raising kids who've never been to church. They don't know anything about God or Jesus. 
Mm-hmm. And so Christian's inviting his friends and they're happy to come. And then they come and they actually really like it and they love what they're learning. And there's just no hangups. And it's, it's just so, it's just such a free space to engage. And they're just yeah. such amazing people with open hearts. And it's like, wow, that's really fun. I'm, I'm not used to that. My generation, they can be rather jaded at times. Some yeah. people, because, you know, they did, things didn't work out the way they'd hoped or, or what have you. I mean, just amazing people in that generation too, of course. But I've never seen so many people who never don't know anything about Christ yeah. and the good news and why it's good news and open. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's remarkable. That's why I think we have to harness that kind of passion in Christian and others, his age and younger to Mm -hmm. say, you are the future of the church in the world. So take up your mantle of leadership and influence and win your peers for Christ and, and just make a difference in the world because the people that you're influencing will go on to do great things. And uh, hopefully they'll do it for Jesus. I love that. And for anyone who's, who's come to faith through Alpha, I think in every circumstance, I've heard people say that they've had friends all their life, but now that they've developed these friendships that are based on converse, conversations about faith and Jesus, that friendship in a very short period of time has become way more impactful than oftentimes some friendships they've had their whole life. Oh, yeah. Well, I... I'm running an alpha online right now with some university friends, other people in the community. Uh, they're not from all from Vancouver where I'm based. They're from across Canada. Yeah. And last night on our alpha, you know, there's tears because some people in our group are really suffering and have gone through terrible time during COVID. But then there was tears of laughter, like honestly, you know, belly aching laughter. And I just thought this is what community can look like. We may not be able to meet in person, but we can meet online. We can explore faith together. And just watching this group come together and feel like, gosh, we're friends. And we, it was only week five of Alpha and they were already saying, you know, gosh, I'd love to hang out with all of you. Like when this is over, we can get on planes. Can we all like do a weekend away together? Wouldn't that be I, fun? It's just so amazing to watch relationships built when you can talk about really deep, meaningful things. That's <laughs> so true. And online is, is I think most people are finding it's not the obstacle they thought it was going to be. And yeah. uh, I think a lot of people are pleasantly surprised, not that they're longing, not longing to be together again. But, exactly. But, but hey, you know what? It could be a lot worse. And so thank, yeah. thankfully we have it's these. Also, it's also given so many of us an opportunity, Ron, that I never had before that I can invite my university friends. So I grew up in Ontario, Southwestern Ontario. I then moved to London, two hours away for university. Then I moved to Toronto, another two hours away for my first job. And then I moved to Vancouver where I've been ever since. Well, my friends are in Calgary. They're in Toronto. They're in Vancouver. You know, they're right across the country and I could invite them to Alpha Online. So I have 20 plus years of friendship with these people and I could invite them. So I think that this moment has given us a chance to be really local, but also global. And all of these deep friendships we've had were no longer restricted by geography. It's a moment. It's a real moment for us. It's so exciting. A good friend of mine, Bill, who ended up uh, taking over from me when I left St. Benedict Parish, his sister, who absolutely was not interested in faith or him praying for her or anything else, she was very clear about it, ended up saying yes to coming on Alpha. And 
and absolutely fell in love with Jesus and is a totally different person yeah. uh, in terms of her openness to God and his role in her life. And wow. Bill could not be more grateful. Like he just, he's just so thankful. And I've, I've heard so many of those stories in this short period of time. So I, I would agree with you. Sheila, it's very exciting. Leadership is, is so much fun. It's so in, dynamic. There's always things that are happening that are exciting, always opportunities, but it's not always easy. And sometimes there mm-hmm. are setbacks. As, as you've been leading, can you remember a setback that you found or a struggle that, that was really difficult for you? You know, it's, it's interesting as I was thinking through what we might talk about today and we're, and we're, you know, thought about this, what could be a setback in leadership and how do you overcome it? It's always related to people. Mm, It's always related to people. And I love leading people. I love spotting the stars, seeing the best in people, calling it out of them if they can't see it or fanning it to flame if they already can, but they've not had the right experiences yet to to get the opportunities they need. And so I love doing that. But there are many little things that can get in the way of any young leader or older leader. Some of that's sometimes related to your family of origin and your coping strategies around stress or identity. Um, Other times it's around capabilities and either believing you're better than you you really are or um, not believing you're as good as we think you are. So you, you get all sorts of issues around leadership that uh, need to be dealt with with people. And so I would say the setback isn't, um, the s- setback is always that I want more from them that, for them than sometimes they want for themselves. Yes. That I can see more potential in them, but there's hangups along the way that I'm not God. I can't remove them. I can't change them. I'm not their counselor. I'm not their mother. Um, but there's things along the way that people need to deal with. And so we try and bring supports around people, but we love to have young leaders. And when you get young leaders, you get raw leaders. And that's probably my favorite type of leader is young, raw, talented. um, But they need some help along the way to refine that a bit, to have the greatest impact. And so I think the setbacks have been, when I've seen all this potential in a person and for whatever reason, they couldn't live up to it in that moment. And we work with them through it. Yes. Well said. That is hard. It, and it requires trust, doesn't it? You, there's probably a lot, like you give people these opportunities by the sounds of it because you believe in them and you see stuff in them. And then, you know, through the work that you do together, you get an opportunity to continue to invest, to speak into, uh, to really make deposits in these young people mm-hmm. who, who and, and to your point, not everybody lives up to our expectations. And thankfully, sometimes we get really surprised, don't we? Yeah. Some and, of the people that we didn't know would be superstars just rise to the top and exactly. in terms of their impact, I mean, yeah. But I would also say that as the leader, the hardest person to lead is myself. Why do you say that? I am a self-motivated, driven, ready to take any mountain type of type of leader, but I know my personal inadequacies. I know when I could have done better. I know that the culture of the organization is based a lot on me and the modeling I set. Um, I know that as a Christian, my personal devotional life um, 
is the anchor for everything else that happens. And when that's not good or solid or regular, that I am leading out of self-sufficiency, not price sufficiency. So as much as I'd like to say people and point it at others as the setbacks, I often think I can be the setback Mm -hmm. because I need to be, first of all, fully devoted to Christ. And out of that springs leadership life for me. But then secondly, I have to recognize when I have hurt someone or stomped on someone on the way through, and I have to be a repentant leader. So I have to be a really centered leader on Christ. I have to be a repentant leader, recognizing I'm not perfect. Um, But then I also need to drink from the well of vision and hope for the future. And that requires lots of different support mechanisms around me to be able to do that. So I think. I think I can be some of the biggest setback. And so it's, it's working with myself, Ron, and having a team of people around me, whether that's praying for me, encouraging me, friends with me, yeah. uh, or it's executive coaches, et cetera. But I think it takes um, a lot of people surrounding leaders to make them good at what they do. And that takes a degree of, 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 well, desire to be your best and then the humility to receive from others. And Shayla, I've, I've been watching you lately and I see a shift in how you're becoming that person for others. Not that you always haven't been, but I'm seeing a more public face on social media. Tell us a little bit more about that. I think with the encouragement of some of the younger leaders at Alpha, I have been more quiet on social media. I've been more quiet. Like I'm not super trying to get out there in public and be an influencer or anything like that, but they've just encouraged me, Shayla, you have experienced that, that we need to hear from as a woman in leadership who has 20 years of leadership under her belt. Um, what are some of your key lessons that you can share? And because I particularly love working with young people, um, I'm passionate about them. I believe in them and they're just encouraging me, tell us, Tell us what we could do. Help us. And so I want to do more of that. I want to, I think the greatest thing that I will do in my lifetime is watch young leaders that I may have been part of their journey for a very short amount of time, whether they worked at Alpha Canada, whether I mentored them or coached them, that I will see them soar far above where I ever could have gone myself. And I will rejoice. I will thank the Lord for them. And I'll just be so humbled and excited by my little part I got to play. And so I'm trying to play a few more parts <laughs> in young leaders' lives and seeing how many we can give a helping hand up to so they can be the best God's called them to be. I love that. And what channels are you doing that on if, if somebody was listening and they thought, uh, my oh, main one, My main one is Instagram, which I have an open account. I'm on Twitter occasionally, LinkedIn, Facebook. Yeah. But I'd say Instagram is the number one place that I'm sort of posting my content or talking about things that I'm passionate about. What's that handle? Uh, at, at Shayla Visser. You could just find me at Instagram, awesome. at Shayla Visser. Excellent. Yep. I just want our listeners to look. Yep. I want to come back to something you just said, and I want to pick up on it because I think it's so important. You said, as a woman in leadership for 20 years, I want to encourage leaders in general, but also mm-hmm. female leaders. And mm-hmm. And that's been important to me too. There's been a few times that people have said to me, Ron, how come you don't invest in more women? And I always take offense to that because they don't know how hard I try. (laughs) And I often, it's usually I'm being criticized by women to which I say, 
I really would love it if you would help. Like, would you please take initiative and invest in women too? Because I found like we were doing live talks for Alpha, for example, and there were tons of incredible women, but very few of them would come forward. And I'd have to, I'd equip them all. I wouldn't just say, hey, could you do this talk? It'd be like, no, can I help you? prepare you to get you ready to deliver mm-hmm. something because I believe you have a story. I believe in you and your example, and I would love for you to do this. And, and we, we always did get a fair number of women, but I, I found I got way more no's than yeses. Hmm. And I always thought I am trying so hard. So I'm so glad to hear, uh, to see you really stepping up and being a blessing, being an example I'm not a very good role model for women because I'm not a woman, uh, but I love women. I, I respect them. I see the leadership capacity in them just as much as I do, man. Like I, I don't see the color of their skin or their sex when I see leadership capacity, leadership capacity is leadership capacity. And it's just so, I'm so excited to hear that you're doing that. And I'm just, I hope for all well, the I female just, listeners or anybody that has a daughter, send them to Shayla. <laughs> well, I just, I just want to say that that uh, women need role models, old and young, men, male and female, uh, of multiple different ethnicities because uh, different people from different countries have different styles of leadership, and we could become mm. more well-rounded as we learn from one another. Uh, but I will say for um, for you and for other male leaders that are wondering how I can do this, uh, there are some great resources out there. Uh, Danielle Strickland in particular has been very helpful. And she has something called the Women's Speakers Collective. And I just encourage women who think, maybe I have something to say. How would I even get it out there? This is a Women's Speakers Collective that can help you grow in that communication ability, regardless of whether you make a career of it or whether you're just like, hey, I want to be able to speak to my youth group. Yes. Uh, women Speakers Collective is a great way to start to hone your skills, to learn from other women, to understand how to be yourself when you're on stage or when you can speak to a group. Um, that's one thing, one resource that I would recommend. Uh, the second thing that I would really push into for male leaders is yeah. oftentimes we don't understand how we've made women feel or experience being pushed to the side, mm. even though you may think, I've, I'm sure I've done nothing. Sometimes it's inadvertent. And mm. so what I always say to my male friends is, you know, lean into helping women lead well, lean yes. into it even slightly more than you would the young men, just to give them a little bit of a boost because they really need it. And I'm surprised when I talk to young women. I was very fortunate. I grew up in a church where women could be bishops. And so I saw women being in leadership in the church. I also grew up in a church where um, there wasn't any hangups about women having different roles. So that was really helpful for me. The second thing, and I'm not making a critique of any church. Please hear that. I'm just saying I, I grew up with this, with no limitations in my mind and a father who really believed in me. And Danielle Strickland really challenged me over the last couple of years about what I'm doing to help women rise up in their leadership. And so I'm doing some new things, but what I realized is I, I was more fortunate than I ever knew. I had a father who believed I could do anything, a church that believed I could do anything. I then had mentors very early on in my career. One who's a mutual friend of ours, Brent, um, who thought I could do anything. And so I've always had this mindset that I can lead, I can speak, I just need help with it. 
Uh, and most women have not had that. Mm-hmm. And so it's our job as leaders to do everything we can to share our confidence that we have in them, to give it to them until it becomes their own. So true. And that's what so many older leaders do for younger leaders. I believe in you. You can do it. Borrow my confidence. Mm-hmm. Borrow my confidence in you until you have it for yourself. And then they start to work their muscle of confidence in themselves and then they're flying. And that's what happened to me. People speak into me. People give me a chance. Yeah. People came alongside. People invested in me and gave me platforms to take chances and try new things. And I'm so grateful for them. I remember years ago when we were we had the men's leadership gym at St. Benedict Parish and a group of ladies, uh, one of them a staff member, a couple other key uh, people, and they said, how come we don't, how come there's not a women's leadership gym? Like, how come there's only a men's leadership gym? I said, because women haven't started one yet. Like, why don't you start one? And they're like, oh, uh, I guess we could. And I said, yeah, why don't you why don't you get a group of girls, come to the men's leadership gym, see how we do it, and I'll help you get it started. And they did. And here's all these ladies who did not want to lead, did not want to speak, but unfortunately, you didn't have a choice. You had to speak. And they did. And they grew in confidence. They grew in their speaking. And I look at them now, those women that are involved at St. Benedict Parish, and they're just rock stars of influence and impact and and. I just, it just makes me so happy to see people overcome fear, change their self-image and become the person God called them to be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the greatest thing we can do is champion other people, call out their gifts, believe in them, lend them our confidence and, and then help them to succeed. Amen. So Shayla, as we wrap up, what advice would you have for leaders out there? Because it's not just Christian leaders that listen to the podcast. It's Mm. business, you know, Christians who run businesses and things Mm -hmm. like that. What what final comments would you have for them as we wrap up today? I think the most important role leaders have, Christian leaders have right now, is the ability to listen well and listen in two directions. The first is to God. What is he saying? How is he leading? What impulses of the Holy Spirit are you experiencing that can help you to make good decisions? The wonderful thing is God's interested in your whole life. So if you're a business leader, he cares about how you treat employees. He cares about your bottom line. He cares about how many, how much stock you have. You know, he cares about all those things. He cares about what we name a perfume. He cares. People don't believe me sometimes when I say God cares about all of life. And so regardless of where you are in leadership, just know that the Holy Spirit is going to help you and give you wisdom and insight. And so call on him and listen to him. Don't just call and say, thank you very much. I called, Uh, but listen to him, take moments every day or throughout the day as you lead and influence people. The second thing I'd say is we have to listen to the people we're leading our customers, our stakeholders, whoever that is, make sure you're listening to them. I think the best leaders are listening in two directions right now. One is to God and one is to others. And the more we do that, the better we'll be at our job and the more we'll have an impact for the future. So if I could leave you with that advice, that's what it would be. Listen, listen well. In two directions. In two directions. Shayla Visser, Alpha Canada, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks, Ron. It's really been a delight to be with you.
organization, business, or church is going to flourish into the future, you and I are going to have to find ways to identify, equip, and raise up young leaders. I hope today's episode has been an encouragement to you. God bless you, and we'll see you next week. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time, and remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Thank you.